Have you ever been told to enjoy them while they're young, only to feel an inner eye roll, thinking, how can I? How can I enjoy them? I'm stressed, I'm exhausted, and frankly, they're super annoying. In this episode, I'm going to give you actionable ways to feel that intangible, elusive feeling known as presence so that you can experience regret-free living, enjoy your children while they're still young, and feel satisfied that you are living life to the fullest. And the best bit? It takes less than a minute a day. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital, and if you're just meeting me for the first time, I'm a mindful parenting coach. I am the mother of four, and my goal is to help you, my fellow imperfect, intentional parents, to say goodbye to the clutter, the chaos, and the conflict, or at least to manage the conflict, and reclaim peace, presence, and play for your family. The way I work is that I learn different ideas, I try them out on my own family, my little lab, and I share the things that work for me with you. Let's take a little break just to announce our winner this week. I am so very, very thrilled to be announcing this winner who has left me a beautiful five-star review on iTunes in Norway. And our winner this week is DMS15065. DMS15065 from Norway who left me this review. Parenting powerhouse. Avital and her team bring their best to all her content, including this podcast. Wonderful to be able to listen to her unapologetically defend her loving way of living and parenting. Thank you so much, DMS15065 from Norway. And you, my friend, have just won yourself my Parent in Love course. Parent in Love is my course for couples who want to get on the same page, align, completely transform their relationship, become really in sync, attuned, loving, calm, drama-proof, and connected. And I'll just read you one little review from Parent in Love so you know a little bit about what you're getting into. And this is from someone whose name starts with M, but I haven't asked their permission yet if I can quote them on this, so I'm just going to do it anonymously. And they said, I feel like I have learned so much from your course. No matter what happens in my relationship, I now have the tools to deal with it. I think I've become so much better at listening, expressing myself clearly. I'm respectful to him. We don't argue like we used to. It is all peaceful and calm. So those are the types of results that you can expect when you join the Parent in Love course. And this is something that you have just won, DMS15065. I am so thrilled that you will be joining uh, all of my other Parent in Love students who are making major transformations to their relationships and becoming peaceful partners as well as peaceful parents. So yay, all you need to do to get in on Parent in Love is email us, support at theparentingjunkie.com and tell us that you are DMS15065 from Norway so that we can get you in there. Woohoo! 
Okay, so today I want to talk about a problem that I think you may be able to relate to, and that is feeling distracted, feeling like we're in monkey mind, like our thoughts are just all over the place, feeling like we're not really present in our lives. We all know that we should be present, right? We've all been told presence is important and meditation is important and being in the moment and live in the moment and don't be anxious about the future, don't worry about the past, don't be in your to-do list all day, seize the day, live in the moment because you never get it back. But there are a million things on our minds and we just can't be, right? Our phones are so distracting. I mean, hands up. If you are a little bit addicted to your phone, no shame, my hand is up. It's a real problem, right? Our to-do lists. Oh my goodness. I'm just running through all the different things I have to do in my mind all the time. And it could just completely derail me and distract me. Or even just worrying about the past, you know, reminiscing, just going round and round in our minds about things that have happened, conversations we've had, conversations we should have had just ruminating and ruminating, chasing our tails, as my good friend Alicia puts it, right? Chasing our tails like a cat going round and round uh, in our minds or even in our behaviors, right? Even just doing ineffective behaviors again and again and not really seizing the moment, not really being present with what is in front of us. So often our children are behaving in a certain way, negatively or positively, and we just want it to pass. We're just ready for the next thing. So if they're playing beautifully or giggling or having a great time, we're kind of like, okay, this is all great, but next we have to get dinner done. We have to get bath done. We've got to get bedtime done, right? We're just kind of running through the next things to do. Or if they're having a hard time and they're crying and whining, we just want it to end. Like, when will this end, right? We keep living with our foot in the next Thing. And I think that we've been conditioned to live this way because if you think about it, our whole school system is based on readiness, right? Readiness for the next level. We do certain things in kindergarten to get them ready for first grade. And then we do things in first grade to get them ready for second grade, etc., to get them ready for college. And then college supposedly is supposed to get them ready for life. And at some point, somewhere down that readiness roller coaster, the domino effect is supposed to lead us to a life where we're happy, healthy, and present. But it, it doesn't. It actually teaches us to always be getting ourselves ready for the next thing. When you keep teaching kids readiness, 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 keep getting ready and preparing yourself and bettering yourself and working on yourself so that you can meet the next level, we never teach them to stop and smell the roses and to just be okay with who they are right now, that they've arrived, right? In that in that cultural dictate, you never arrive. You never arrive because you can always get a bigger paycheck. You can always upgrade your house. You can upgrade your spouse. You can get a better body. You can lose more weight. You can travel more. You can acquire more. There's always more. And so I'm not against setting goals and achieving and and reaching for more, but I think it must be counterbalanced with a deep sense of enoughness, of presence, of enjoying what we have on celebrating uh, what we achieve on actually enjoying the things that are already in front of us, the blessings that we've already been blessed with. Not just achievements, but just things that we've received from the universe, right? Um, So yeah, we are extremely distracted. We're extremely focused on the next thing. And I know this firsthand so well. I mean, every afternoon I sit down with my kids in an attempt to be present. 
And I find it so hard. Can I just admit that out loud for a minute? I find it extremely challenging. My phone is just so tantalizing. It's like so seductive. It's there. I can do my banking. I can be in touch with old friends. I can talk to my mom. I can write my to-do list. I can answer emails. I can answer Instagram. I can post on Facebook. There's so many things I can do on my phone and it's just kind of beckoning to me. But even if I am strong and I switch my phone off and I'm fully present with my children, my mind wants to do things. My mind wants to go in other places and I can't just necessarily naturally just be in the moment. So for any of you who think that I just have that naturally because I teach mindfulness, au contraire, my friends, sorry if you're French, I'm really sorry. I know I botched up the uh, pronunciation of that. Au contraire. Was that better? Probably. Anyway, au contraire, the contrary is true. I find it difficult, which is why I teach it, which is why I study it, which is why I'm passionate about it, because it does not come naturally to me and I need to learn it. And so today I'm going to tell you what I've learned because I'm a practical kind of person. And whilst I love the theory of conscious living, I need the tools. I need the actual tangible things that I can do to keep my mind from those distractions or to manage those distractions and to bring myself into the present. And my guess is that some of you uh, feel the same way too. So hopefully this will be super helpful to you. You know, we tend to have the same thoughts over and over again every day, right? The same kind of thoughts go over your head. Can you, can you just think for a second? I'll give you a moment to think. What are some thoughts that just repeat themselves in your mind every day? Is it thoughts like, we need to get through bedtime, or what am I going to make for dinner, or I can't deal with this right now, or I'm so tired. What are those thoughts? And you know, when those thoughts are plaguing us, kind of, I like to think of them as this, like a tyranny in our mind, you know, right? A tyrannical mind that's just taking over our thoughts, a monkey mind that keeps having these jittery, compulsive, anxious thoughts going round and round and round in our mind. It is exhausting but it's not the good kind of exhausting. You know the kind of exhausting I mean, right? When you go on a really long hike and your body sweats and you've been in nature and you've been working hard and you, you know, flop in bed at the end of the day feeling this wonderful, satisfying exhaustion. No, this is the other kind of exhaustion, that kind of achy, chronic, compulsive type of exhaustion, the low energy exhaustion. You know, one of the things I think about a lot is the end of my life, okay? Whether that's tomorrow or in 70 years from now, whenever my life comes to an end, I like to kind of visit that place and ask myself what I will feel looking back. This is a really powerful tool for me for decision-making. When I have to decide how to spend my time, my resources, my energy, I ask myself, well, how would I think about that at the end of my life? And... I have learned um, from the wonderful Bronnie Ware and the five regrets of dying people. I know that dying people regret not spending more time with their loved ones, you know, not expressing themselves fully and not allowing themselves to be fully happy. And for me, becoming present to my life in the moment as it is, is my antidote to this regret is my way of living a full life now. If I want to know that I did enjoy my kids while they were young, that I was present for their childhood, learning to be present, and I'll outline for you exactly how, is my way of doing that. It's my way of saying, well, no, I did. I was. I was there and it was full and it was luscious and it was, you know, it was 
really uh, a vibrant, strong, uh, full sense of living. So if you are waiting for the right circumstances to become present, then that's your first clue that you're on the wrong track, okay? Presence doesn't wait for the correct circumstances. It doesn't wait for the dream house. It doesn't wait for you to lose 20 pounds. It doesn't wait for you to get a cleaner or to change your job or to, uh, you know, or for your children to be grown. The right circumstances to enjoy your life, to be present to your life, to really awaken uh, to your life, to smell those roses, do not arrive. There is no such thing. The only circumstances for presence are the ones that you're in right now because it's always about the current moment, this very moment. And so the moment is here. The moment is now, this moment. And now this moment again. And at any given moment, you're given the opportunity to step into presence and to enjoy your life, to enjoy your children, uh, to enjoy your life as a parent or just as a person in this moment. Now, quick note, if you would like the show notes to this episode and you want to revisit them, they will be found at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash five, the numeral five, number five. Um, And I would absolutely love it if you shared that, if you know someone who could benefit from this. And what would also be amazing is if you could take a selfie of yourself right now or a screenshot and just tag me over on Instagram or on Facebook at Parenting Junkie. I would love to add it to my stories and shout you out. Um, I really am so passionate about spreading the word, about being present. And I know there are many, many others who could benefit from this. Okay, so we've said we're very distracted. It's difficult. We have our phones, we have our thoughts, we have our ruminations. Um, And what should we do, right? So we try different things. Sometimes we can try just to force ourselves to be present. Like, be present, be present, enjoy the moment, enjoy the moment. Why aren't you enjoying the moment? And that's, again, that tyrannical voice. That's not a voice of presence. A voice of presence is always going to be compassionate. That judgmental voice, any judgment that you're having towards yourself, you can know that that's not the presence that you're looking for. That's a good sign that you're not in the right direction. If you're beating yourself up, why can't you just be present? Why can't you just enjoy the moment? Why can't you just be spontaneous? Why can't you just breathe and be here and be? No, that's not going to work. If you are um, beating yourself up about it, then that is just giving you actually more anxious thoughts, more frustration, more irritation, more kind of jittery energy. You're not settling the energy. Remember, if you take a snow globe and you want those flakes to settle, you don't keep shaking it. You just let it be still. I don't remember where I first heard that analogy, but it's a perfect analogy for the energy of presence. The energy of presence cannot be reached by shaking yourself up. You can't shake yourself into it. Okay. But here's the other thing is that presence isn't a lack of anything, in my opinion. It's not nothing. It's not no thought, right? Often people think that when you're meditating, the point is to not think and to have no thoughts. And I think that that's uh, ill-conceived. That's wrong. (laughs) Wrong. Um, Because you can't not think. Uh, Thoughts just happen. They think you more than you think them. Thoughts just happen. They aren't actually something that you're creating or you're working on or you're actively doing. It's subconscious and they're just generated. They just kind of fire all of the time. The question is how we react to those thoughts. 
So thinking that presence is about just not having any thoughts and not wandering off in your mind and, you know, creating this kind of utopian, serene, um, zero input mind is not the case. And I personally think that because we are doing kind of people, we all like to do things, we can use that doing energy and that thinking energy to drive us towards more presence. Before we dive into the actual step-by-step, I want to just address a couple of objections. Sometimes when people are thinking about being more present and really living in the moment, they might think this isn't for them, right? I mean, you might be thinking right now, this isn't for me. I'm not woo-woo. I'm not spiritual in that way. But I just want to say uh, presence is not a spiritual thing per se. You could you could experience it that way. But it's really, when it comes down to it, just about enjoying your life, enjoying the moment, not constantly living in a state of planning, uh, you know, and monkey mind. It's just about, it's actually a, a unstressor, right? A de-stressor. It's getting out of stress. It's being the opposite of feeling stressed the whole time is feeling presence. That's what I think it is. So I think it's not necessarily only for hippie people, only for someone who's spiritual. Although, hey, by all means, if you are, that's wonderful. I certainly am. It's really for everybody because if you're in a constant rat race of stress, constantly planning and your to-dos and what I didn't do and what I did do and I must remember and anxious and the stock market and my children's behavior and all of those things, then you're making yourself sick, my friend. I mean, we know this to be true and this is science. When people meditate, when people take time, even just a very small amount of time every day to calm their minds down, their minds get healthier and their bodies get healthier. So it's for you. I promise you it is for you. And the other thing you might be thinking is, I am present. I am present. I'm with my kids 24-7. I don't work. I'm a stay-at-home parent. I'm present for them. And to this, I want to ask you, are you Because I have friends who don't work at all and are stay-at-home homeschoolers and they're with their kids pretty much 24-7. And the number one complaint they have and that their children have is, I feel like we don't have time together. Isn't that funny? You might be thinking that's really ironic and that's not true. But here's the thing. There's a very big difference between quality presence time and quantity time. And that's why when people ask me, should I take a job? Should I work outside the home? Is it important to stay at home? I say, uh, yes and no. I don't know. (laughs) It depends on you and it depends on what you're going to do with that time and how that's going to affect your family. But what's crucially important is for you to have a little bit of quality time with your child, you know, as often as possible, probably, hopefully every day a little bit of quality time. You can be with your child all day and have not been present for any of it. If your mind isn't there, if your heart isn't there, you aren't present. And so ask yourself, are you present? Even though I teach mindfulness, this is something that I have to work on. Or perhaps because I teach mindfulness, this is something I have to work on very much because our culture is anti-presence. We're all multitasking. We're all glorifying the busy. We're all busy, 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 right? And lastly, you might be thinking that you don't have time. And I want to tell you that you don't need time. It's kind of what I was just speaking about a moment ago, which is quality over quantity. Even a few moments a day of presence is golden. A child who feels that their adult has actually been with them for a few moments a day and an adult who feels that they were actually 
a moment in the day to appreciate their lives, to be in their lives, and to be with their child for reals in the way that I'm going to outline makes a giant long-term impact. If you think that you need to spend a week unplugged with your children, you know, every year and have quality time and you're going to pack it all in in a week, I have other news for you. To me, the practice of being present is more like going to the gym and getting fit or eating healthy. If you do a crash diet once every few years, that's not, or once a year, that's not being healthy. You can't crash diet your way into health. Health is about making overall good choices day in, day out. You can't do a, you know, six-week shred at the gym and expect to have an athlete's body for the rest of the year. No, it's a day in, day out job. And this is true for emotional life as well. If you want true, sustainable, consistent, long-term impact on your relationships, you need to think small, consistent steps. I mean, think about trauma, for example. How does trauma happen? Well, most of us know that trauma happens with one life-shattering experience, right? A violent episode or, you know, a, a, a tragic episode, an accident, something terrible that happens and we're left traumatized. But many of us don't realize that trauma can also happen with a drip, drip, dripping of low intensity stress. You know, if someone is quite verbally abusive to you a little bit every day, that can have the same impact on the brain as trauma. It desensitizes you to it. And in that sense, it's more insidious and and it's worse in a way because you can't point to the actual, you know, reason I'm screwed up, the big problem that happened to me. You know, you can't point to the murder or the rape or the, you know, the the drunken episode. But those drip, drip, drippings of abuse day in, day out, day in, day out, or of exposure to something unhealthy and toxic can have a similar buildup and can actually be much harder to tease apart because you don't address just one explicit memory. Instead, it's an implicit memory that the body actually kind of internalizes and integrates as part of the fabric of life. And that's much harder to kind of tease apart. Now, I'm talking about trauma, which is the negative, right? The thing that we don't want for our children. But the same can be true when we flip that around and talk about the positive. How do we create connection? How do we create and grow and raise an adult who feels, my parent connected to me, my parent was there for me? Well, just like trauma, maybe it could be one, you know, life-shaping experience. The parent took me on a bar mitzvah trip when I was 13 and we had this amazing experience together and we'll forever be connected because of that. But that's much less likely. What's much more likely and what's much stronger, in my opinion, much more impactful and certainly much more, uh, you know, by design, much more manageable for us as parents to do is to have the day-to-day drip, drip, dripping of presence consistently again and again in very small, subtle ways. Think of that water eroding the rock with the drip, drip, dripping of the water 
and what an impact that can have over the years. That's the way we want to feed in this sense of being there for our children, being present for our life. So now let's step into the sequential steps, the actual steps, and I've got five ways, practical, tangible ways, that you can be present for your life and for your child. Okay, let's just dive right in. Number one is audio input, okay? Notice what you hear. If you get quiet for a moment and you start to listen, you'll be amazed at how much presence, a feeling of really being in the moment can wash over you. Often, you know, we don't close our ears, right? Our ears are there. And often sounds and noises and, you know, effects are just rushing into our ears without us even noticing them. That's what's happening most of the day is it's completely subconscious. In many ways, being present is about bringing what's subconscious, what's unnoticed, into the realm of the conscious where I can notice it. And so start to notice the sounds Notice your child's voice. Notice noises in the distance or close to you. Notice the noise of your breath. If you are sitting with your child and you want to be present with them or just in your life, start to notice what you can hear. And instead of just hearing, start to listen. And then you can take it even one step further, which is to introduce your own mantra or your own you know, audio into that realm. So maybe you want to play music um, that helps you to feel present. Maybe some spiritual music, some uplifting music. Maybe you want to listen to nature sounds. Maybe it's about taking note of the voice and sounds that your child makes as they play. Maybe it's about a mantra. You could be saying to yourself something about this moment, about being in this moment, such as life is a gift. This moment is a gift. Childhood is happening right now. I am full of love. I am connected. I am here. This is now. This is life, right? Just really kind of some kind of words that could solidify for you the fact that this is life. Whatever you're doing right now, if you're washing dishes, folding laundry, driving your car, I'm telling you this right now. This is life. It is happening in all its glory in this moment. So just noticing that, noticing what you hear. You could just be noticing the inhale and exhale of your breath. Okay. Number two is visual. Using your visual cues around you to bring you into presence. You could actually decide that some things are what I call, um, you know, a strew, uh, something that you put there on purpose to trigger a certain emotion. So you could trigger presence with the word presence, you know, on a poster on the wall with a certain bracelet, with a certain t-shirt, with a certain color, that could be something that you decide to make yourself more present. Or you could begin to use whatever's in front of you to bring you back to present. So for example, wherever I am, if there is natural light, just being aware of that natural light, kind of basking in that light 
is something that brings me into presence in that moment. I kind of sense it as a presence energy. It could be seeing uh, my child's cheeks or their skin or their hair, right? Actually noticing beauty around you, picking up on colors that please you. Um, Or you could be creating visuals in your mind. So picking up on beauty around you, just a side note on this is that this is one of the reasons I think design is very important in our homes. Treating our homes like a sacred temple that is there to trigger peace within us, presence within us, to bring us into this moment, to let us to enjoy our lives, it needs to reflect our preferences, our taste, our desires. And if you look around your home, and this doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, I'm a minimalist and I buy my furniture at Ikea. Um, But it's pleasing to me. I like the colors. I like the lines, right? And I've moved homes a lot. So no, none of my homes have been my dream house and I haven't built my dream house, hopefully one day. But even so, just making the space pleasing to you, the colors that you like, the materials, such as natural materials like wood that feel grounded. And then finally, you can actually visualize presence. So I like to visualize my presence with my child by actually imagining what they're feeling and putting some kind of symbol to it. So a symbol that I sometimes have is a rope, a rope connecting me and my child. Uh, Kind of like a, I guess it's a bit of an umbilical cord type of a symbol, but um, for an older child, just a rope. Imagining that me just sitting there, me just being in that room, even though I'm not talking to them, I'm not looking at them, I'm not doing things with them or to them, I just visualize our connection. I visualize that they feel that strong, sturdy rope running between us and that I am there at the other end of it, that I will always be at the other end of that rope for them and that I'm available in that way. I might not be available to do what they want to do. I might not be able to play pirates right now, but that doesn't mean that I am not present for them. Do you see the difference? Presence isn't about always answering our children's every whim. It isn't about playing with them or for them or entertaining them or always listening to every single story or always looking at them or getting down on the floor and playing with them. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means energetically being there for them, energetically being available, emotionally being available to them. Does that make sense? So what is some kind of visual symbol that you could have? Is it a joint heart beating between you? Is it the space between you kind of having a magnetic pull where you're each drawn to each other and there for each other? Sometimes it's about locking eyes with your child and just looking deeply into those eyes and allowing that feeling to wash over you to the fullest extent, really feeling that incredible feeling of being there for someone, of loving someone, being available to them, of being connected with them. Okay, the third one is any sensory input, any sensations um, that you could feel that will help you to be present. And most of this draws from yoga for me, but in yoga, we're often asked to sense where our bodies touch the ground, all of the touching points between our body and the ground, for example, or to sense where our clothes touch our bodies. Now, if you're with your child, just sensing, you know, your child's weight on your lap, 
for example, or the feeling of nursing a baby, or the sense of a child playing with your hair, or going on a piggyback ride, or what it feels like to feed your child or to bathe them. Being aware of those sensations, right? Breathing into them, kind of having a body scan of actually noticing what it feels like, any tingling sensations, any um, kind of relaxation that can occur, any just softening into the moment and feeling into your body. Where am I holding stress? Where am I holding any fears? Letting those go and even letting a smile kind of settle onto your face. And that will help you to feel more grounded, more in your body, more in the moment. And that smile also leads me into the fourth point, which is emotional. For me, gratitude is definitely the emotion of presence. Just scanning the moment for things to be grateful for. I'm grateful for my health, for being able to sit here and talk to you right now like this, for the conversation that we can have for my voice, for these ideas. I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful for my children or for my job or for the clothes on my back, right? In any given moment, each one of us at any level of privilege has something to be grateful for, has something that we can say thank you for because life itself is a gift. And so if you want to be emotionally present, soften into the moment and Just imagine what would it be like to feel so connected, so fulfilled, so happy right now. Now, I need to note that being present doesn't mean that you have to feel happy. Being present means that you are noticing and aware of whatever feelings come up. My tendency is to opt towards an optimistic, gratitude-filled, happy experience most of the time because that's what I want. But it doesn't have to be that way. And it certainly shouldn't be that way if you're denying any real sadness, frustration, uh, you know, irritation, anger, rage, um, depression that is within you. Being present emotionally means taking note of that as well and just being with that. So it doesn't have to be gratitude and happiness. It could also be, I'm noticing my sadness. I'm noticing the big storm cloud of emotions over my head right now. I'm noticing my anger bubbling up inside me. I'm noticing how much rage I have coursing through my veins right now. Just as with our body, we might feel where we feel good and where we're holding tension, where we're holding pain perhaps, so too with our emotions, we just want to notice those give them a voice inside our mind. Say, yes, I see you. I see you rage. I see you exhaustion. I see you anger. I see you joy. I see you happiness. But remember what I said in the beginning, which is that if you have a judgmental tone of voice in your mind, that's the opposite of presence. So if you're saying, I shouldn't be angry, I shouldn't be you know, sad right now, that's not presence. Presence is saying, I am currently experiencing anger. And I would just recommend that we put that in the right now frame, right? Right now, this is what I'm feeling because we want to always allow ourselves that opening that in a moment I might feel differently. And finally, the last point is behavioral. 
What are the things that we can actually do in order to feel more present? So one of the most obvious ones is to put away distractions, to switch off our phone, right? Or to schedule unstructured time. I have unstructured time scheduled into my schedule every afternoon from about 3.30 to about 5.30. I don't have any structure because that's the time that I really just want to be. I just want to be, I just want to be noticing my life, noticing my kids and be available to them. But there's more things that we can do in order to feel truly present behaviorally, right? We can go out into nature. Nature has that magical effect on almost everyone where you really can feel more present, feel more alive, more in the moment, feel more full. But kids have that effect as well if we so let them. Kids are extremely present in the moment, right? They're not Usually, little children are not worrying about the future or the past. Most of the time, they're right now. And so getting into the game with them, playing with them, laughing with them, roughhousing, dancing, singing, laughing, drawing. You know, when your kids are doing an art project and you decide, hey, I also want to move my fingers and express myself and I also want to paint. Joining kids where they are, just going to those places with them. When we do all of those things, we feel present. And feeling presence is true joy, not just fleeting happiness that we chase. It's true joy because it's not waiting for some achievement or for some accolade or for our children to prove themselves. It's simply connecting with them now and here as they are and as we are. It's enjoying the moment to moment. Negative feelings, positive feelings, perfect house, imperfect house, mess, (laughs) <laughs> 10 extra pounds and all, warts and all. It's how we know that we aren't wasting our lives away wishing for something else. It's how we know we aren't going to regret not actually seizing the moment, not actually being there, not actually enjoying them when they were young. And it can be as short as a few moments a day, literally less than a minute. If you spend 50 seconds or 20 seconds a day Just breathing into the moment, noticing your body, noticing where you are, noticing your child and experiencing that connection with them in this moment, you will be drip, drip, dripping that big, you know, compound effect of long-term impactful connection that lasts children into adulthood and that safeguards you against the regret of not being there which is why this is perfect for working parents, for parents who are outside the home or who travel a lot or who are very, very busy. If you just take those few seconds a day, I promise you, you will feel very different about the whole entire thing and so will your children. I would love to hear from you what you thought about this episode. If you would be so kind as to leave me a review and five shiny stars on iTunes. I would so appreciate that. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste. Namaste.